Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida in the USA. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 638 for release on Sunday, May 16th, 2021. On WaveScan today, the German shortwave service at Königswusterhausen, Part 2. Jerry Plummer will be along to talk with us more about the High Frequency Coordination Conference and our Bangladesh DX report. Well, as we return to the radio scene at Königswusterhausen, which is located a dozen miles southeast of Berlin in Germany, we note that four major buildings upon this estate have been in use as transmitter houses during the past 100 years. Ray Robinson tells us that this facility was originally an army encampment and it was in use for the testing of very early wireless equipment. Thanks, Jeff. In 1911, an army battalion began experimental transmissions on a hill that was known at the time as Windmill Hill. Initially, primitive mobile transmitters were set up on horse-drawn carts, and the antenna wires were attached to small aerial balloons. What is now identified as Sender House No. 1 was constructed specifically for the installation and operation of experimental wireless transmitters, and it was inaugurated as the German Army Central Radio Station in 1916. That building, which still stands to this day, is the oldest transmitter building in Germany. After the end of World War I, the Königswusterhausen estate was taken over by the German post office in September 1919 for use as their main wireless communication station. Morse code transmissions provided quick business communication, mainly with similar though smaller wireless stations throughout Germany. The original call sign in Morse code for Königswusterhausen was LP, though quite frequently the station was also identified colloquially as KWH, as would be expected. Just one year later, Dr. Hans Bredoff supervised what became their now historic Christmas broadcast on December 22, 1920, an event that's acknowledged as the beginning of radio broadcasting in Germany. This truly historic broadcast was presented over a modified 5 kilowatt spark transmitter that radiated on 350 meters, 857 kilohertz. Some authorities state that this broadcast was also noted on 2700 meters, 110 kilohertz. Senderhaus number no. 1 became the first transmitter building at Königswusterhausen for regular radio programming on what are now recognized as the long wave and medium wave broadcasting bands. Several very tall self-supporting towers were erected close to the transmitter building and smaller towers carried the feeder lines from the sender house to the antenna towers. After the 1920 introductory broadcast, a new broadcasting transmitter was constructed and installed in house number one, and it was taken into regular program service three years later with Sunday music concerts on October the 29th, 1923. Over a period of time, this transmitter was noted on various long-wave channels, such as 2370 meters, 2400 meters, 2700 meters, and even 4000 meters. That's 127 kilohertz, 125 kilohertz, 111 kilohertz, and even 75 kilohertz. 
1925, the nationwide Deutschland Sender broadcast service was established at Koenigs Wusterhausen with several high towers and a 4 kilowatt transmitter on 280.4 meters, 1070 kilohertz. It was subsequently upgraded to 75 kilowatts. During the late 1920s, several low-powered transmitters were installed progressively and they were in use for program broadcasting and also for regional communication. These transmitters and the channels in use were identified with similar call signs such as, for example, AFP and AFT. In 1936, a diesel generator was also installed in house number one. These days, a large and important radio museum is housed in this same sender house number one. On display is a grand assortment of old wireless and radio equipment, including some of the original transmitters. One special transmitter on display is a 100 kilowatt Telefunken that had previously been installed at Herbie in Sweden. Due to the increasing need for wireless and radio transmitters in Germany, a second transmitter building, Sender House No. 2, was constructed in 1923. Initially, several telegraph transmitters with power levels up to 50 kilowatts were installed, though soon afterwards a long-wave broadcast transmitter was also installed. Then, in 1932, a powerful 100 kilowatt Telefunken broadcast transmitter was transferred from Tegel, five miles northeast of Berlin, and it was reinstalled in house number two. This unit, which became quite famous as Sender 21, carried programming from studios in Berlin as Berliner Welle on 1635 meters, 183 kHz. During the dramatic events of the European War in the middle of the last century, the radio stations at Koenigs Wusterhausen and Zeesen also were on the air for a cluster of services, program broadcasting to Central Europe and beyond, jamming unwanted incoming radio signals, decoy transmissions and wartime communications. It's also true that these radio stations at Koenigs Wusterhausen remained largely undamaged during the belligerent fighting. As the Russian army moved in towards the city of Berlin in 1945, their forces were commanded to capture the Koenigs Wusterhausen and Zeesen radio stations without damage. And that's where we leave this story for today. We'll pick it up again in two weeks' time. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray. Ray Robinson there at KVOH in Los Angeles. Well, Victor Gunatilika in Sri Lanka sends an item here, a special transmission in Hindi for one week was started by the Sri Lanka Broadcasting Corporation for India to overcome the COVID-19 crisis. This transmission is 1230 to 1300 UTC and at 1731 to 1800 UTC on the frequency of 873 kilohertz medium wave via Putlam using 350 kilowatts. This is the same transmitter used by Transworld Radio on 882 kilohertz at other timings. And here's a recording of that special broadcast from the SLBC, sent to us by Jose Jacob in India. COVID-19 
19 से मुक्ति के लिए प्रार्थना की गई। श्रीलंका में भारतीय उच्चायोग के सहयोग से एसएलबीसी द्वारा ये धार्मिक कार्यक्रम आयोजित किया गया ये श्रीलंका ब्रॉडकास्टिंग कॉर्पोरेशन के विदेश विभाग की विशेष प्रसारण सेवा है मीडियम वेव आठ किलोहर्ट्ज़ पर हमारी ये विशेष प्रसारण सेवा यहीं पर समाप्त होती है प्रार्थना करते हैं बुद्ध धर्म संघ के तीनों मणि भारतवासियों को आशीर्वाद दे नमस्कार In our last installment of my conversation with Jerry Plummer of WWCR about the most recent HFCC conference, we were talking about the very low-priced shortwave receivers that are available in many countries around the globe these days. I agree with that. I mentioned to you a couple of days ago that I found over the holidays yet another $12 shortwave radio that's quite impressive for what it is. It costs more to get it shipped to me than it costs for the radio. Now, was, that, uh, was that one of those SDRs? Uh, well, that one too. Uh, this is just a little, this particular one is just a little handheld. It was, I think, eleven dollars and ninety-five cents U.S. But you're you're right. You and I both have one of our these little SDRs that plug into a USB port, and both of us are kind of working with them now. They still need they they still need a pretty good antenna, you know. Yeah, I'm 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 learning uh, I'm in the learning process on that, but it is very interesting, right. and a lot more a lot of people are using them. Yeah, they are they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the article that was written pointed out that the receiver can be portable and inexpensive, and that's that's definitely true. Your eleven dollar uh, radio is was that is that does it have digital readout? Yeah, yeah. Huh? And it's got, and you can record MP3s on it too. <laughs> wow! It's yeah, and it's got one of those batteries that are rechargeable. You don't have to uh, uh, charge the battery. You can, you can charge it up just by plugging a little connector into the USB port of any uh, computer, or just plug it into a wall socket. Wow! And all, all this for eleven dollars and ninety-five cents. <laughs> and I'm going to guess that it comes from China. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think you've, uh, for several years when you've traveled, you've made it a point to try to see if you can purchase a shortwave radio in many places you've been. And you've, you've been lucky at getting radios from all over the world like that. Yeah, there were there were places uh, in, in Nigeria where they sell them for $3, you know. Uh, wow. And, and now, I was in, uh, as you know, at, at the last HFCC in-person conference, uh, which was in Kuala Lumpur, Afterwards, uh, uh, my wife and I went to uh, Cambodia for a few days. Yeah, and there's a big flea market there called the Russian Market, and there were there were shortwave radios there. They were all Chinese made, um, of varying quality, but they were all about fifteen dollars. <laughs> you know, and um, when you're looking at uh, you know like Africa, for example, uh, where there's you can't access it anyway. A lot easier for someone in Africa to get one of these shortwave radios than it is to try to connect up to the internet somewhere, uh, yeah. and that's why I think there's so many of these things being sold, that's right. even today. Yeah. yeah. So some of the other things that the document talks about uh, is that uh, shortwave is a is an invaluable tool in distance education. Now you you're involved in right. education. You're a professor. Yeah. 
and, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think we use that here in the U.S., but in other countries they use shortwave to, to carry on sure classes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if, if you were able to deliver uh, the content via DRM, then it would be literally like an Internet uh, web class, literally. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's still there's still a lot of potential for that too. You know, uh, right. I don't know if you've uh, noticed, but even today, I saw uh, on one of the DX boards, uh, China Radio International is broadcasting in DRM as a test now on at least fifty to sixty uh, frequencies simultaneously. Wow, that's yeah, that's a big that's a big <laughs> test. You know, uh, DRM. Uh, for those who don't know, is Digital Radio Mondial. It's a digital form of shortwave. You've got to have a special transmitter or, or, or modification to your transmitter to broadcast it, and the listener has to have a special DRM receiver to get it, which is the big problem right now. Uh, yeah. Receivers are not all that available, but uh, but it could happen in, in, in the coming years. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've written papers and had papers published over the uh, uh, using DRM as a tool in distance education, uh, as this as this paper points out, because uh, it would be able if if we had the DRM receivers, uh, you could literally educate all of uh, Africa via shortwave radio. That's right, uh, and and the HSCC report says that uh, shortwave can also be used to provide health education and information yes. to communities yes. during epidemics. So sure can. Yep. That's, sure that's important. Can. <laughs> uh, and so when when there are epidemics, pandemics, disasters, uh, you know, avalanches, uh, earthquakes and hurricanes and all this sort of thing, um, local radio can be uh, knocked out. And yeah. uh, DRM and, and shortwave in general can be used to uh, – to get disaster warnings and to get uh, uh, disaster information to uh, people. Yeah, it's like the like the document says it could add a whole set of modern features to any modern national alert network. Mm-hmm. Uh, easily good, uh, and and that happens. You know, the, the I don't know exactly how how many we have, but I know that uh, there are several frequencies that the HFCC has been able to protect to use only as as frequencies for when a, uh, a disaster hits, sort of like in America, a clear station, you know? Yeah. Uh, I know there's several of those yeah, that are being developed. IRDR, International Radio for Disaster IRDR, Relief, yeah, right. which was the idea of uh, our former HFCC uh, Chairman Ulrich Chip. Uh, yeah, sure was, uh-huh. yeah. And... You know, to cut to the chase on this document, the the conclusion that they've come to is that from a technical viewpoint, right now, there's nothing that can replace shortwave. There may be in the future, but not right now. That's right. Um, That's right. It's uh, often the only source of information in, in, in disasters, where places where there is no Internet. The, the, the conclusion is that right now, you know, stations – should not be shutting off their shortwave broadcasts. Um, right. They need to maintain them, particularly to areas where there's an internet shortage, uh, but, you know, even to other areas as well. And, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you and I know that here in North America, uh, people don't 
in most places don't have to listen to shortwave, but a lot of them still do like to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, of course, you and I are in the sort of business where we see it a lot. There's not a day goes by that uh, I don't hear something from a listener either verbally or uh, Internet or phone uh, or letter that are listening to uh, shortwave. Yeah. Uh, every, every day you know, we hear that. That's right. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the paper's right in these points that you're, you're pointing out. And to stress one of them, it's, it's, it's true that there's about 47% of the world's population does not have an Internet connection. Uh, and it's going to be a while for, if ever, that you get 100% like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, that leaves only shortwave as, uh, as the only medium that can reach uh, to that level. Mm-hmm. And, and we've had, I, I know, uh, letters and emails from people in, uh, in rural areas of uh, the western United States, for example, that, okay. that they don't have Internet, they don't have local radio. Uh, they listen to shortwave all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot out in the, you know, the, uh, uh, the kind of the western area, you know, the uh, Idaho, Montana, mm-hmm. uh, all uh, the big sky country. Uh, that it's kind of hard to get FM because they're scattered so far apart. There's not not much population density, and a lot of those guys still listen a lot to, to the shortwave. Uh, a lot of people in, in North America tell us that even though they have internet, um, they still want to listen to shortwave because there is alternative content that's oh, yeah. not yeah. available in other media. Well, in America's recent uh, election sequence, toward the end of the election cycle, I would listen to the shortwave more than I would listen to TV because it's just... <laughs> information overload, so to speak, and all pointed the same way. Shortwave does provide, you must admit, a different uh, option uh, to, uh, or viewpoint. So that's uh, the the new HFCC report on shortwave international broadcasting, um, dated 2020, uh, but it's going to be coming out uh, very soon on the HFCC website, uh, which is hfcc.org. I'll be watching for that in the coming weeks, I think. Yeah. Uh, so that that's something that uh, was discussed at the beginning of the A21 um, uh, HSCC conference. And, and like you say, this document was originally prepared for one of our HFCC members who was needing to report to the big bosses, why do we need shortwave? And uh, they they needed some document that came from a reputable source, and um, uh, that's why we have it posted uh, for HFCC attendees to look at for input. And once we get everybody's opinion and, and finish the document, then it can be released out for general publication. Uh, that way, we've got we've get, given everybody in our shortwave world a chance to provide input. To You'll find it on the hfcc.org website. But, uh, you know, kind of going back up to the top beginning is uh, this first time that we tried doing uh, the virtual meeting with some visual aids, if you will, 
we did have uh, over 70 attendees to the opening plenary, which was very, uh, uh, very good. I think so. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, between now and, and, and August uh, for the next HFCC meeting. But uh, the uh, coordination of frequencies is continuing, and uh, it will continue uh, until we can get back together again in person. <laughs> right. It's not as effective, but at least we're providing some means to uh, to solve these collisions because uh, if you have a, a collision where two broadcasters are on the same frequency, whether they know it or not, nobody wins out of a situation like that. That's uh, right. So we're hoping to continue to be able to get our groups to talk with each other to solve as many frequencies as possible until such time that we can physically meet again. That was Jerry Plummer, Frequency Manager of WWCR and member of the HFCC Steering Board. We'll talk more with Jerry on an upcoming program. But now it's off to Bangladesh. Here's Salahuddin Dalar. Dear listeners and radio hobbyists, wishing you happy Eid al-Fitr, Eid Mubarak. You are listening Bangladesh DX Report of May 2021 on OVSCAN. This is Salahuddin Dalar from the beautiful city Ratshahi, Bangladesh, the receiving log of different radio stations. May 4th, Echo of Unification Korean program was heard at 1348 UTC on 5905 kHz. The SIO code was 322. Music followed by Wild Talk was aired. Radio Myanmar Burmese musical program was heard at 1353 UTC on 5915 kHz, the SIO code was 444. BBC via Al Sila, Dari Service World News was heard at 1405 UTC on 5970 kHz, on 6055 kHz, the SIO code was 222. Voice of Mongolia, English service, English news by while was heard at 1533 UTC on 12015 kHz, the SIO code was 222. Voice of America, Amharic service, report in mail, voice was heard at 1830 UTC on 11610 kHz, the SIO code was 333. May 5th, All India Radio, Dari Service, music with mail announcement was heard at 1353 UTC on 11560 kHz, the SIO code was 343. Radio Romania International, Romanian Service, musical program was heard at 1426 UTC on 15340 kHz. The SIO code was 333. Voice of America, via Botswana, Kurdish program with report in mail voice was heard at 1433 UTC on 
ডিএক্সবাংলাগেন music from Bangladesh ends WaveScan today. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, Radio Malaysia celebrates 75 years and our Australian DX report. Several QSL cards are available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for the program to the AWR address in Bangkok and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will... Reply with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSL cards is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok 10110 Thailand Again, Adventist World Radio P.O. Box 234 Prakadong Bangkok 10110 Thailand The email address for other correspondence to Wavescan is wavescan at awr.org I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone. <laughs>